All right, we're back. Thanks for tuning in. You are listening to the Drew Marshall Show. It's our Halloween special. That's why Tim is playing the Rolling Stones demon song. Yeah, baby. It's amazing. This is, so the rumor is that somebody died or was killed uh, when this song was played at was it Woodstock or something? Altamont. Oh, that's it. Okay. Yeah, the Hells Angels were hired by them to provide security, and I guess... They were just being extra secure. Somebody tried to get on stage. Yeah, and they, and they, they stabbed the person, apparently. I hate when that happens. Yeah, that sucks. Um, so are you going to hear scary songs all, all show long? Yes, so maybe something by me. By you? Yeah, remember how... Uh, when you played bagpipes riding a skateboard? Yeah, or when uh, the, the Mighty Tucker began to sing yes. along with me. One of the best moments on our show ever in the last 15 years was Tim decided uh, to be yeah. our musical guest one day, and while he was playing his 12-string guitar and singing, my dog was in the studio and started howling. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was so it was humiliating. But it was awesome. Hey, um, we've got a bunch of interesting, interesting Halloween show guests. We this, do. Like, this wow. Day. Uh, Christopher Chacon, he's an anomalist. He is a parapsychologist. He is a supernatural and occult expert. He is a ufologist. He is a scientific investigator of paranormal and supernatural phenomena. Phenomena. Christopher Chacon is regarded as one of the world's foremost authorities on the scientific investigation and exploration of paranormal, supernatural, and Anomalous phenomena. Uh, I'm here, I'm here. Christopher Chacon on the line with us. Uh, Christopher, what are you doing right now? At this very moment today, what are? Did someone hire you to do to do what you do? Uh, in, in a sense, I, I guess I'm not really hired and more contracted because I don't accept payment for my services. They uh, only supply transportation and accommodations if they're required, but I never take payment for what I'm doing. Um, as I speak to you, it's about 9 o'clock here where I am at night, and I am adjacent to the property. I uh, just arrived a little while ago where the people have been experiencing a phenomenon um, and basically drove them out of the property about two weeks ago, and they're wanting me to come in and assess what is going on. Okay, so many things just happened in that in that interaction. We're in a different time zone. Where For, are we? First yeah. of all, no, he can't tell us where oh. he is. It's a secret, right, Christopher? Uh, uh, I'm on the continent of Africa. I'll, I'll leave it at that. Oh, wow. okay. All right. I guess our toll-free number didn't quite work from way over there. Sorry about that. Um, you you drove them out is what I I think I just heard something about driving them out. So did I? Am I to understand? No. Sorry, say it again. No, no it drove the phenomena. Drove the the people who own the property. Oh, okay. So how did that? Are, can you share or like? Uh, don't use names, but can you share a little bit about this this particular phenomena that you're dealing with? Sure. I mean, this, in this particular case, uh, the people who bought the property and it looks like it, roughly it's about three acres, and there's an older kind of adobe kind of structure on it that was built maybe fifty years ago, um, and. Basically, what they said is they moved on to the property. There's never been any history of anything unusual happening. And then, all of a sudden, out of the blue, all electronics would not work on the and about a 100-foot square circumference around where the home is. That means no phones work. The ACDC completely is inoperable. Uh, you bring batteries in it, they won't operate as if they're, they're drained. So no electronics work whatsoever on the property. Um, while they were trying to figure that out, then they said in very quick increments of buildup, it would feel like they were under extraordinary pressure. And one of the officers who came to assist them 
who is a scuba diver, said it felt like he was really deep underwater because it felt like that kind of pressure. Um, that happens for a couple of minutes, and then all of a sudden you're hit by something. They claim to be something that's they can't see with the naked eye, but it's some kind of, uh, you know, they were using terminology which was, you know, more in their particular culture. Yeah. Um, but the authorities were more, you know, trying to imply something like some kind of uh, poltergeist phenomena or a phantom type type of entity or something to that effect. Well, that is the weirdest explanation of a weird thing that I've ever heard. That um, okay, so so many questions. Let's try to I want to try to get through these. First of all, you stu- you stump me with the not getting paid thing. So two questions. Well, one's a statement, one's a question. The first one is the question: If you don't get paid, how do you live? How do you make an income? <laughs> I work my other job actually is working in the entertainment industry. So, uh, I mean, as, as difficult as that may seem, I actually keep these two worlds very separate. Yeah. Um, what I do for clients' cases, there's never any videotape, never any cameras. One of the first rules is that it can never have gone to press or media at any time, whether during, during before and after every situation. So I keep those two worlds very separate. Um, and I, that's how I make my money is actually in the industry separate from that. So I have the resources to do to explore cases, investigate cases, and help people if that is required. But typically, most of the clients I get, they do accommodate with the airfare and sure. um, again accommodations if if it need be. Okay, and and I guess the second thing that I needed to say is knowing that you don't really get paid for this. They cover expenses, but they, you don't. You're, it's not a job. You're not getting paid for this. Man, does that help me believe you more? It helps me trust you more. Hmm. That's I. You know, I never thought about that way before. I mean, I. I have my own personal reasons for doing it. It's uh, I'm kind of, uh, for the last uh, dozen years or so, I've taken on clients that way. And my, my objective is actually to help the people. And that's because I think it's mostly because in my time I spent before that, um, with a scientific group conducting investigations, it really wasn't about helping people. And I think in my own way, I guess you can kind of call it, maybe you can call it Catholic guilt or whatever you want to refer to it as. But it's sort of my way of making up for the, all those times when I wasn't able to assist people personally. And so now I've been basically going on my way to try to help them in, in this way. <clears throat> well, listen, you are, I don't even know. I mean, you're an anomaly. I know you're an anomalist, but you're an anomaly. Because um, I think one of the issues most people have in this industry is trust, right? Uh, the outsiders. They're like, you're dealing with the paranormal and most people aren't sure whether they actually believe in the paranormal until the paranormal until until some paranormal thing happens to them and then even still they they're not sure they believe it so there is a trust thing that that has to go down with with what you do and you you must get so sick and tired of it but let me ask you this uh Christopher as are wait are you an illusionist or a magician what what is what's the thing you do on the entertainment side of life <laughs> well my yes my background is in magic and illusion. I I was I, I am a magician illusionist still. Okay. Um, I, I paid my way through college as a magician illusionist. I had a touring show back in the days when Doug Kenny was touring, so we're taking away back. But uh, and I'm that's still one of my first loves is magic and illusion. So that to have a base, a, a, a sort of a, a foundation of that. Okay. So now hear this, and I want your reaction to this. My brain says, well, the guy's a magician, an illusionist. He knows how to dupe people. He knows sleight of hand in so many different ways. 
So then now the trust thing switches around and goes the other way, right? I kind of go, oh, you know, he knows how to work a crowd. He knows how to work an environment, a room, a situation. He knows how to do tricks. How do you how do you feel with that kind of, you know, skeptical view on what you do? Am I just a jerk? Well, I I am a jerk. But when someone thinks that, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's I mean, it's a very it's a valid point. I think, um, you know, if I guess it depends on where you're approaching it from. If you're a skeptic, then it's used as a tool, and it's your kind of armor to say, well, hey, you know, I I understand how easily people can misperceive experiences and therefore I can invalidate them because I have this tool. Um, if, you know, my position isn't in believing or not believing, I kind of take an objective approach whenever I'm doing, conducting an investigation and that's where the anomalistics comes in. But in regards to these phenomena, it's, uh, their, their cases refer to me. So they bring me in to give, give them my, my private consultation, my, the feedback. Uh, I'm not involved in the cases or situations from the get-go, so right. I have nothing to do with whatever is going on. Um, so it's it's kind of like, uh, you know, it's just the, 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 the way the process works where uh, I wouldn't be doing, in order for me to apply magic and illusion technology, it would have to be something that, you know, I, I sort of gave birth to, I guess you could say. But it's other cases that, have come, that come to me regarding them having experience. Right, right. Um, what is... Uh Randy, the great Randy. What's his first name? I forgot his... Uh, is it James? Randy? James. Yeah. James yeah. Randy. Yeah. yeah, so James Randy was on my show a few years back, I think for a Halloween special. And of course, how would you describe him? Is he like sort of the the uh, skeptic of skeptics? Does yeah, he not lead he's the... He's the de-illusioner. He's the de-illusioner. Okay. Do you... Um, have you and James Randy ever worked together or hung out together or, you know... No. Um, I, I mean, uh, I've seen him at events years ago. Um, I mean, he is he is definitely one of the uh, upper echelon in the magic world. Um, you know, he's he's done many accomplishments, and he, he's seen as one of the great you know escapologists in the world of magic. So, and, and of course, he has been one of the, the loudest skeptical voices in the skeptic community regarding. Uh, um, uh, basically debunking phenomena. Right. So so he is a, a skeptic. Are you a... Sorry. He is a magician, an illusionist, an illusionist and a skeptic. And uh, is oh. and sort of his shtick is to debunk everything. You're an illusionist. Oh, wow. How can I not... Why am I Want not saying help? that word? Yeah. Okay. Just pass me that bottle. illusionist. Thank you. Uh, no. You're illusionist. an illusionist and you're a magician. You have a skeptical mind, but... Dare I say, Christopher, that you're a believer as well, whereas I think James Randi is a believer of none of this stuff. Is that true? Uh, well, I, I can't speak for Mr. Randi about his personal beliefs, but, I mean, I could tell you my personal beliefs are, I mean, when I started this many, many years ago, uh, you know, I did approach the original cases with probably more skepticism. It's a side with the side of skepticism because I did understand how people can misperceive events so easily. Um, the more I saw cases that could not be dismissed using national illusion or misperception, mm. that opened me up to a little bit more, gravitating me a whole different direction. Now, when I was trained in anomalistics, that gave me a complete education regarding belief systems and how belief systems can affect not only what you cognitively perceive, but how to go about really investigating something from a very pure scientific approach, which is objectively observing it. Um, and it, it made me understand when you go in to investigate something, if you go in as a believer, 
well, you're pretty much going in there taking everything imaginable, and and it, it, things are going to gravitate toward the fact that well, you're you're going to see things that you're not really sure about at the end of the day because of the fact uh, you're biased. Hmm. Well, the same thing can happen as a skeptic. If you go into that end of the spectrum, a variety of things can happen, including talking to blindness, where maybe you won't see an event or you'll refuse to recognize that it happened because of the fact your belief system leans towards skepticism. Um, I'm, I'm in a very sort of on-the-fence, objective approach. Right. And, you know, I might want to point out two things. One is 70 to 80 percent of the cases of people that do report paranormal or supernatural phenomena are explainable. They're explained either psychologically, physiologically, environmentally, even circumstantially. There's other explanations behind the phenomena. Um, and, you know, in that regard, any case that I get before I ever jump on an airplane to go anywhere, they have to first go through that same regimen. They have to do psych profiles on the people, physiological profiles, environmental profiles. On the majority of them, if there's computers involved, the police are going in to check the computers to see if there's, you know, evidence of hoaxing or something of that effect going on. So there's a lot of criteria that's kind of met before I ever take on a client or case. So I try to rule those elements out because they are real. And skeptics and skepticism does have a place in trying to keep at bay those people who are trying to take advantage of others regarding fake Events. Sure, sure. Wow. You know, I had Father Gary Thomas on my show a while back, and he is the guy uh, who was, I guess, inspiration for the movie The Right and the book, of course. And uh, Father Gary Thomas is an exorcist. The Vatican has an actual exorcism department, and every diocese, from what I understand, has an exorcist, and Gary is one of them. And Gary said to me that Something similar to your thing, that 90% of the people that are brought to him for exorcisms, they have to go through a mental health check first. And he says that 90% of those people end up not coming to him for an exorcism because it's a mental health issue. Does that ring bells with you? Yes, I mean, it does. I think in in that particular phenomena, and I think uh, regard when I'm brought in to consult on exorcisms, be it not just a Roman Catholic ritual, but Judaism has exorcisms, the Hinduism even has exorcism cases, yeah. so in different belief systems. That, uh, but the Roman Catholic ritual is they're definitely more stringent on following a protocol or procedure, right. a psychiatric one. Right. And quite a few do fall into that category. But, you know, it really depends on where you're speaking. I don't know if he was commenting on a global kind of uh, assessment, or in different parts of the world, it's different regarding the ratio of cases that do are, are authorized and, and are those that are dismissed is another explanation. Um, okay, so Christopher, that, that makes me think, sorry, that makes me think of this, and I know this sounds like such a Jerry Springer question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Have you ever been in a scenario where you've been putzing around with some paranormal thing? Putzing around with some paranormal thing. Did I, did I actually go to school or no? No, no, you did because that's alliteration and it's not necessarily an easy thing to accomplish. Thank you. Thank you for stroking my ego there, Tim. You're awesome. Um, so you're putzing around with some paranormal stuff and all of a sudden it, it gets so weird and so evil or so, sp- I don't know, whatever. The, sh- the, the chills actually go up and down your spine. Have you ever been in a situation where you think... Boy, we really could use an, uh, you know, Father Gary Thomas he- right here, right now. Has that ever, like, I don't know what your belief system is. And then we got to talk about biases as well. If, you know, I'm, anyway, so many questions in one blathering radio guy's voice. Uh, what do you think? Have you ever needed to call a priest? Uh, you know, it, it, it doesn't, it, it, at least in the way I've approached cases and dealing with them, it's never gone that direction. Right. If, 
there's always a, a sort of a protocol that I've, once I study, once I um, was trained in anomalistics, there's a certain protocol that's very strict in how to assess and analyze the phenomena, not rushing to conclusions and continuing to analyze it. It's a little different. Uh, I think sure. now I, I'm no longer, I don't have to stick to that protocol with other methods or, or, or procedures I could utilize, uh, the parapsychological method, for example. Um, and I think when you're encountering those kind of phenomena, uh, you know, it's always great to be able to bring in other perspectives, other people who can assist with the phenomena if you can't do anything for them. Uh, there have been situations where the phenomena has gotten extremely volatile, and I don't think I don't think a priest would have helped, uh, let alone somebody who you know who deals with you know crisis management. Um, you know, right. uh, something that's just that volatile. Um, so I'm not, I'm not sure I answered that question specifically. No, no, me. no. Look, I mean, this whole thing comes down to one's belief systems and biases. And as far as the Christian faith is concerned. You know, I was having this conversation with a uh, doctor philosophy friend of mine on the way down here today, and uh, we were discussing things like Occam's Razor and Pascal's Wager, and, you know, what are the odds that there is such a thing as afterlife and supernatural? And if and if Christians are going to believe in the supernatural, then Christians shouldn't be throwing all the stuff that you do out, you know, like the baby with the bathwater, the baby Jesus with the bathwater. But what Christians believe is that all paranormal activity is from satan so they default to well if there's a ghost it's not really ghost it's not really your dead mother your grandmother it's satan acting like your dead grandmother and so let's get jesus to beat up satan and then we can set this person free right tim wouldn't you say that's kind of the summation of things yes i think satan always acts like my grandma satan does act like your yeah. grandmother or i met your grandmother yeah, yeah, yeah i don't know which um, so and now when it comes to you guys though and what you do well let me ask you i mean I don't know. Do you want people to know what your belief system is? Does that affect people's perception of you, Christopher? Uh, I don't know if, if uh, I'm sure anything I say is going to affect your perception toward me. But yeah, yeah. I mean, since you're asking the question, I think I mean there's 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 a there's a long answer and there's a short answer. And I think for the sake because we have limited time, sure. Uh, the short answer is, and when people ask me you know, what I believe, uh, my my statement has been, and it's not a cop out in a way, but I believe anything is possible. And I say that because there have been situations and circumstances where I've encountered things that should not and cannot be happening based on the laws of nature and physics as we know today, um, where every possible concept in magic illusion doesn't explain it, hmm. where all the laws of physics doesn't explain it, when a entourage of 16 scientists from astrophysicists to you know, zoologists, for example, are assessing something with state-of-the-art technology, and it still doesn't explain it. Um, you know, does that mean that it's conclusively paranormal or supernatural? Well, we, at, at the time we were doing these assessments, we, we try not to come to conclusions. In fact, the phenomena, almost someone may say, well, that person's definitely possessed. But we would say at that time, we would say, no, it's just inconclusive. We don't know what's going on, really, because that phenomenon is not recognized in science. So I went through a lot of seeing that kind of phenomena firsthand, and... Now that I'm no longer with that group, but I'm still continuing to deal with situations, I have to admit to the fact that, you know, based on the things I've seen, that just about anything is possible. Yeah. yeah. And I think a lot of the, one of the big things I encounter around the world with cases and phenomena is the misinterpretation of phenomena. Really People well said. People have some kind of experience, and they think it's an alien encounter when it's 
a poltergeist phenomena or they encounter uh, you know, poltergeist phenomena when it is, in fact, perhaps maybe it is a divine interaction, you know, angelic of some sort. And there's a lot of misinterpretation going on. People throw out terminology and define things very quickly, rush to it. And then one of the ones people do is gravitate immediately toward if it's white and black uh, and it's something's evil and dark. And a lot of that has to do with their own belief system or upbringing or where they currently are uh, psychologically. Yeah. Wow, you are a very interesting guy to talk to. He is an anomalous. He is a parapsychologist, supernatural and occult expert, ufologist, scientific investigator of paranormal and supernatural phenomena. And um, Christopher, man, so I grew up in a funeral home. I have been around death and dead bodies my entire life because I also was a pastor and I'm now a hospital chaplain. And I get called out in the middle of the night to go and hang out with families as their loved ones uh, you might say Passover, crossover. No, not Passover. That's a Jewish thing. Crossover. <laughs> is, is there something about me that I should be concerned about having been around dead bodies my entire life? Hmm. Well, I, you know, I don't think you mean as far as something about you that there should be a problem psychologically or... <laughs> well, no, we've already proven that there's something there. But no, I mean, you know, uh, is there something, you know, have you ever met people who have who have been around... Look, this is what the Jesus people used to tell me. Um, you can get demons if you touch dead people, right? Years and years ago, oh. I remember somebody saying that. And, and so, look, sure. I, I've touched so many dead people, which in and of itself just sounds really bizarre. Uh, but in the context of this conversation, should I be freaked out that I've been around dead people so much in my life? Not at all. Okay. Uh, and, and I'm not just saying that from, from my own opinion. Uh, uh, the organization I was with had done a lot of different types of scientific assessment to try to... They were trying to find if there was any patterns to certain mythologies, lore, things of that effect. One of them had to do with... Uh, loved ones who passed away, and people who are in close proximity to those who die, um, and there was absolutely no correlation later on that could be documented that anyone, you know, people who are around dead people more, they're more susceptible to demonic phenomena, supernatural phenomena, or anything otherworldly. There's just, there's no evidence for, to prove that. We're chatting with uh, Christopher Chacon. Uh, his many TV appearances include National Geographic Explorer, Unsolved Mysteries, Discovery Channel, NBC, CBS, Fox, BBC, uh, Telemundo. <laughs> I love that. Uh, 2020, Eye to Eye with Connie Chung, uh, Tom Snyder Show. I mean, it goes on hard copy. It just goes on and on and on. And you had something to do with the Canadian hit TV series Sci Factor, did you not? Yes. Yeah, Sci Factor was... Um a series that I was involved with. Uh, they, it was, it was an, insp and, and, and I use the term loosely uh, when I say uh, inspired by, because there was a lot of dramatic creative leaps for television. Sure, sure. And I think it's, it's, it's clear to the fact uh, in, in a very episode that says a lot of blood, blood everything's fictitious. Um, it was based uh, loosely around the scientific organization, the think tank that I worked with. Um, but that was something that Danny Ackwood was involved with. Um, and the series went for 88 episodes, um, and it was a it was a, a very intriguing series of investigators who go after phenomena. Man, you are also involved now. I'm just going to read a little article I saw here in Variety. Carl Urban, Ashley Green, and Forrest Goodluck will star in the action adventure Snowblind. Uh, this film was developed by the Coalition Group's Johnny Wonder and uh, Louisa Iskin. 
And uh, Johnny is the reason you're on the show today. He was in studio last week. You have been working with uh, with Johnny and uh, his whole gang, uh, developing something, probably something you can't tell us about again, right? Uh, something like that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. Listen, I... I am a skeptical believer. That's kind of the theme of our show. I, I want to believe in something because I feel like there should be something more, but that's maybe just because I'm a lazy thinker. Maybe if I had more of a science brain, I could rationalize everything and and live with the understanding that when I die, I become worm food. Um, but I grew up with, you know, in a tribe of people that believed in, in much more. And these days, mm-hmm. I, I just, I'm actually kind of a, a skeptical believer, but I'm a I'm a hope junkie. Uh, so sure. I I well, like. You know, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, you know there was an interesting thing again when uh, going back to the scientific group I was with, and they were they were basically educating us on the psychology and physiology of belief systems. And you know there's a there's a, a scientific thinking now. Uh, several biologists, biophysicists, are finding data to support the idea that we are actually born with a predisposition to believe or not believe. I saw that. I actually had the author of uh, some book that said there's something about uh, in our DNA, that, like the DNA of belief, or I don't know, something like that. Exactly, exactly. And there is some, there's some evidence to support significant. That's why they're exploring it. And if, if that's the case, and you happen to be born with that, that predisposition to be skeptical, then you're the other side of you is wanting to believe, and then it's sort of at odds with the other side, which is perfectly normal. Um, you know, it's one of those things where I think, uh, especially in our culture, in our Western civilization, more people are at odds than they are than I'm finding in other parts of the world, where they kind of embrace one side or the other. Yeah. Um, so I'm not sure if it's entirely a cultural thing or just something that's biological. Really interesting. In other words, I've got the Fred Flintstone little devil in one shoulder and the angel in the other. Uh, shoulder. Something like that. Yeah. yeah, something like that. And kazoo. Uh, gr- and the great kazoo, that's right. <laughs> Voiced by who, Tim? Do you remember? Harvey Corman. Harvey Corman. Nice. Um, Christopher, is there a website that we should send people to? I mean, uh, I want people to, to follow you and to be a part of whatever you're a part of. Where shall I send them? Uh, I actually have spent a great deal of effort in remaining not uh, promoting... Um, <laughs> A website or something like that, only because of the fact that I'm still taking clients internationally. Yeah, and so I'm I'm I've been kind of fighting the uh, the media aspect of it at the same time. So uh, you know, not at this point. Um, I, I'm I'm beginning to cut down the number of clients I'm taking, so I'm transitioning sort of out of that whole world and just entirely into back into entertainment side. But uh, at this point, if anyone wants to get a hold of me, if they have a situation or phenomenon they're dealing with. Um, I could try to get some information to you, and then you could share that with, with your listeners. All right. I will certainly do that. Uh, and, and by the way, again, that just impresses me in this day of, hey, everybody, look at me on social media, including me, who has a radio show, and we've got all these social media interns trying to get me to be on, you know, social media. <laughs> I wonder if I can <laughs> say that again. Um, I, I just... Christopher, you're a walking anomaly. You really are. You're in a world where everyone says, hey, I'm awesome, look at me, and and uh, there's something cool and sinister about what I do, and you don't have a website. Absolutely love it. It's fantastic. Christopher Chacon, he is an anomalist, a parapsychologist, supernatural, occult expert, ufologist. Man, there's so much stuff we could have talked about. Why did we only do 25 minutes? Oh, my goodness. Scientific investigator, paranormal, supernatural phenomena. Christopher, um, I'm not sure if you ever come to Toronto, but if you do, 
Uh, you have an open door on this show to come in and, and dominate for as long as you'd like. Wow, that sounds that sounds really, really... Uh, I, you know, uh, I do get up there because of cases and clients, and when I have some downtime, I definitely will, will uh, follow up on that. And we'll take you by the family funeral home and see what you find there. How about that? <laughs> that, that, that sounds like a fun evening. <laughs> okay, yeah, what a great night out. Christopher Chacon, thank you for your time, sir. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Bye-bye.